When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Manchester is Red podcast from the Manchester Evening News. I'm your host, Rich Fay, and I'm joined this week by Samuel Luckhurst. Hello, Rich. How are you? I'm, I'm not too bad. Thank you very much. I've had a week away in Scotland, nice. I guess sort of retracing Sarks Ferguson's roots with a, a week in Aberdeen, which has left me refreshed and ready to go ahead of the, the long, grueling season, which is ahead. And we're also joined this week by Stephen Railston. Can we call you a summer signing? What? What era are we <laughs> We'll see. We'll see you this summer. Um, privileged to make my debut before Varane, funny enough, but not not before Sancho. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. I was going to ask what type of signing you want to be. Maybe you're Tom Heaton. Who knows? Let, let, <laughs> let, let, you can let the listeners be the judge of that one. But you know, United's second game of the season. The thumping of Leeds now seems a bit of a distant memory. A bit of a reality check for United after a one-all draw with Southampton on the South Coast. United started really well in the match, but they couldn't find any way to win the game in the end. You know, We came accustomed to United coming from behind and winning last season and giving it their all in the last 15 minutes, but this one was anything. But in the end, a draw seemed like a fair result. Samuel, you were there at St Mary's. What did you make of the match? It was certainly fair. I thought that when Sancho came on, Southampton might just just cave in and capitulate. There was over half an hour to go. It was a, it was a proactive move. Solskjaer striking while the iron was hot, given how bad Marshall was. And United had their best available attacking quartet on the pitch, but the problem was in in midfield. They started with um, they started and ended the game with a completely different midfield pairing. Uh, I thought Southampton pressed United well at times and exerted some pressure in, in periods. And also, Maguire had a really really tortuous afternoon, um, and, and that lapse in, in the second half where De Gea bailed him out. At the time, you might have thought that that was Southampton's opportunity gone, but they actually derived some more encouragement from that and they looked pretty threatening on the counter-attack. And, and United didn't visibly Im- improve with, with Sancho on the pitch. And the other two substitutions, Lingard probably came on too late. Um, McTominay for Fred was an obvious move that you could well... Have, I think everybody predicted Solskjaer was, was going to do that. Certainly those of us at the ground uh, saw it coming. But it wasn't necessarily one that you'd have advised him to make. But that's that's a, a sticking point with Solskjaer for someone who was the, the poster boy of substitutes as a player. I've I've lost count of the amount of times where he's left everyone pretty bemused with with his handling of substitutes, whether it's been not using a player, um, putting a player on at a strange time, or just just kind of de- defying common sense and taking the wrong player off or taking or putting the wrong player on. So that that in-game management is is still hampering United to to an extent. But again, just just going off the start of the game, Ty said it last week. He he suspected Marshall might start. He did start. There was no rhyme or reason to starting him. I think Solskjaer said afterwards when I asked him why why Marshall had started, he said, "Well, we need Anto to get going. Uh, I, I think you need to use a cattle prod on Marshall to get him going." He's just so inanimate so often. There's a lack of pressing there. It, it didn't benefit Greenwood, him going back to the right. If, if you've got a fit and firing Cavani available, uh, fair enough, start him up front and, and put Greenwood, 
Greenwood on the right, but it didn't make much sense relocating Greenwood after how well he played against Leeds the previous week. So it's a, it, undeniably it's two drop points and they looking at those games, they should have been looking to win at least their first three games, go through August having won all of them, but obviously they've not done that. And there's the threat of losing ground already. And you've seen in previous seasons that if you, and Soskia said it himself, you can you can lose the, the league in the first uh, first seven games of the season or whatever it is. So they, they need to butt their ideas up for, for Wolves on Sunday. Yeah, it seems like Marshall's had six years to get going now. I'm not sure by starting them in that game really what was the right decision. And Stephen, Samuel pointed on it there, you know, I mean, we've seen this weekend maybe a statement of intent from, from Chelsea. We've seen Liverpool with relative easy victory. City, you know, doing what they do against a, a smaller side in the league. You know, those teams will drop points at some stage, but this does feel like two points dropped at this stage of the season already, doesn't it? And, you know, the, the stakes are so high, particularly with the standards which have been set over the last few years, that United do look like they, they've missed an opportunity here. It does, it does. And it's a big contrast from, obviously, the <clears throat> the opening day uh, with other leads. What a stylish when that was 5-1 at home at the start of the season. And it, it, that game, I think, was always going to set up nicely for United. Leeds were going to attack and United have the, had the space just to pick them off and the, what, a, what a performance that was. And this game, a bit different credit to Southampton. They played a bit deeper and they frustrated United. But as Samuel said, they, they were pressing fantastic and they capitalised a few times in the final third. Um, and a few times, Maguire was wasteful in possession. Obviously, the goal came from that moment with Fernandez. Was it a free kick? Was it not? I'm sure we'll come on to that. But wasteful in possession a few times. Fred looked out for his depth. He looked fantastic against Leeds, but I think that was just indicative of the kind of team Leeds were. Um, and I think it pays a, a compliment to McTominay that United looked worse in midfield without his presence. Obviously, he came on, but he's carrying an injury. And Donny van der Beek as well, I'm sure we'll come on to him. What's he got to do to get back into the team? I'm sure he would have been frustrated sitting on the sidelines watching Jesse Lingard come on um, as the last substitute. So, yeah, all in all, a very disappointing performance, especially after that, that, that strong result against Leeds. Yeah, exactly. And we mentioned as well, you know, that obviously the focus on Sancho and Varane, but if United are to win the title this season, which, you know, has to be a realistic game, it's going to rely on the key players from last season also keeping the standards, which were which were so high. You think of Shaw, you think of Fernandez, Pogba, Maguire, even Fred. They need to be playing as well as they did throughout last season. I guess it does bring us on nicely to that goal, free kick or not for you two. I, I put it out there, that is never, ever a foul in my book. If that's <laughs> given against your team, you are furious. That is never a foul in my eyes. I I thought, and I still think, it was a foul. But the what I'd caveat it with is that it wasn't a clear-cut foul. And it's one of those that sometimes you've got to empathise with the referee when he makes that call in that moment I'd have understood it if he gave it as a foul or if he didn't give it as a foul um, the linesman had the better view I think if it really Fernandes was was straight on at the linesman because he was the one who, who was right there and had a clearer um, he, you know there, there was no one in his eye line at all so you know, I, I don't really want to encourage any far talk whatsoever but I, I, I do still think it was a foul but I can understand why people might not think it was a foul, but ultimately, okay, you know, Fernandez isn't really shielding the ball brilliantly, but the guy did take the man before getting the ball, even though he didn't, you know, it's, it's not really a robustuous challenge from, from Stevens. And I suspect as well where, where Fernandez has been prone to some play acting in during his time in England, whether some referees kind of don't necessarily look at challenges on him as objectively as they would with other players. 
Yeah, it was a strong challenge from Stevens. I think we'll see even stronger challenges from Stephen at Emmian Football this season. I'm sure they'll go unpunished as well. But uh, you mentioned there as well, Stephen, before on your earlier point about the likes of Donny van der Beek. In terms of the selection, I know in hindsight when points are dropped, you can say well, it wasn't the right team lineup because it's so easy to, to say that. And again, before the Leeds game, we were saying that's too safe. That's you know that, that's yeah. not the right lineup. United win five one after the game. It's it's justified. So you know you've got to you know like we say hindsight is a wonderful thing and anyone could be an expert after the results happened, can't they? But in terms of the lineup, what changes would you have made? Do you still think it would have been too early to start Varane or Sancho? I personally would have started Sancho before I got into that. Sorry, I will say I don't think it was a foul. I know it's a very polarising topic, but I'll win with my opinion on that. But um, yeah, going on to that, I probably would have started Sancho. Um, Varane, I think Oli knows best, is it too soon? Obviously, the transfer was delayed and he's had a bit of training now under his belt. Um, Lindelof played great against Leeds, so maybe it wasn't the worst decision ever to start him at the back four. But we've talked about over the summer, it's been a big talking point, changing formation, 4-3-3, three, three, and it, it Damn enthusiasm when you two, you two guys were at the ground um, before the, the Leeds game that he went for the, the cautious 4 2 3 1, obviously with um, McTominay and Fred in the double pivot. Um, and maybe it is time to abandon it. Maybe that time is coming up soon to have the free in midfield. Obviously, Pogba is playing on the left at the moment, but he wasn't particularly at his best. He was one of United's most creative outlets on the day. But if you are to go to that free midfield, I think that would work best for the, for the personnel he's got at the moment because the limitations of that double pivot with the personnel United have have been exposed regularly. And I think it's also a good point that we've, we all observed Maguire wasn't at his best against Southampton. Um, across the summer at the European Championship, he was fantastic. And I think that had something to do with playing Declan Rice playing in front of him as well. He was he was protecting him. Obviously, he was on alongside Stones. Varane will help coming in. But for United to get a defensive midfielder and a proper defensive midfielder, I think that has just become clearer. And it's going to become clearer as the season comes on because they do need someone better than, than, than Fred. And I, I'm a fan of McTominay, but if you're going to play someone in that three, Perhaps you need a new signing. Yeah, exactly. And I guess, you know, it says a lot that we're two games into the season. We're saying United need another signing at least to, to be challenging for the title properly. And it does feel like, you know, they've got the potential there, but how do they get that rhythm and who, who plays in that, that holding role? And it's an interesting one there, Samuel, because in Varane Maguire, you've got a, a centre-back partnership, which could end up costing United over £120 million. You know, that, that clearly is the, the partnership which Solskjaer will have to go for. He's got his club captain who, you know, he has so much faith and, and trust in Maguire. But do you think there is any argument to suggest it could ever be Varane and Lindelof rather than Varane and Maguire who are better suited as a partnership? I think you've got to play them together first before you can even... <laughs> Before you can even write that piece, Rich, unless you've already written it's, it. It's drafted. I wouldn't, past, I wouldn't put it past you. But I think it was Evra who said on punditry last season before he was very quietly um, ushered out by Sky over his David Moyes' daughter comment that maybe it's time we shouldn't be talking about Lindelof dropped. Is it is it time to talk about dropping, dropping Maguire? Maguire had a dreadful start to last season, but you saw how much United missed him when he wasn't playing. And I also think, although England kept two clean sheets without him at the Euros, uh, in the Scotland game, I thought Shea Adams gave, uh, coincidentally Shea Adams, uh, given how, how reasonably well he did against United yesterday, I thought he gave Tyrone Mings a pretty difficult time in that one. And England were better with, with Maguire in the side. And he was one of the, not just one of the best defenders at the tournament, but one of the players of the tournament. So when it comes to Wolves, Although Maguire had the poorer game out of the two centre-backs at Southampton, I'd be playing him and Varane because you've got to you've got to play your best, strongest possible side. I like the quote that Tuchel came out with about Lukaku, that we've brought him to start, not to be on the bench. 
And of course, that's been latched onto by United fans who were disgruntled about Sancho not starting yesterday. When we're in the ground, normally when United arrive, the players who are out on the pitch admiring the pitch and just kind of soaking up the, the atmosphere. Uh, the players tend to be the substitutes and Daniel James was out there. So you think, OK, well, he's been dropped, so Sancho must come in. So there was still an element of surprise that Sancho didn't start and it was Greenwood on the right and it was Marshall up front. The, the, again, there was just no rhyme or reason to, to start in Marshall. And it, it seems like a lot of even the online contingent, which is usually safe haven for him, is starting to turn against him because he's just not cut it for over a year now, I think, more or less. And you've got, you'll probably have Cavani back in the squad, I'd imagine, against Wolves, a, sec, a, a full week's worth of training under his belt. He's got to be considered. But going ahead, that is a slight issue. Well, not a slight issue, potentially a major issue if Cavani is then picked in the Uruguay squad for their games next month and World Cup qualifiers because will they be on the red list with the travel review? Um, is he going to have to have 10 more days of quarantining having had effectively seven weeks off in pre-season and into the season? Um, that's that's a dilemma for United to, to address as well because there are more games next month. Uh, the Carabao Cup starts, the Champions League starts. So... A lot of issues to contend with all of a sudden after the the, the immense positivity that was coursing coursing around the place after after the Leeds game. Yeah, let's focus on the positivity for a little bit longer. Okay, United didn't keep a clean sheet, but Stephen David De Gea came to the rescue late on, denying Adam Armstrong. Do you think? I mean, it just seems to get more and more complicated. That obviously there's reason why De Gea started the season in goal. Obviously Dean Henson absent, but. Now you can imagine Solskjaer saying, well, Henson's got to earn his way back into the squad because De Gea started the season so well. It just seems to be no clarity and just no firm decision on that. No, but as the game went on, it was 70 minutes and I actually was watching it and I thought there's no way United will, will not win this from here. They were piling on the pressure and in the last 20 minutes, the game just kind of turned, the fizzled out and were really underwhelming. And obviously, as you've touched upon there, De Gea came up with that massive save. I'm going to be a bit controversial. I think you should save that. <laughs> I know everyone's crazy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I'm saying, yeah, I'm yeah. not being... Like you said, I'm not being contrary at all, but if the goalkeeper doesn't save that, there's something wrong. It's slated, with doesn't it? Yeah. 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 It's like yeah. when when sometimes from a corner, when a defender heads straight at the keeper and he tips yes. it over, a good reaction. Yeah. You, you praise them, but if it goes in, they get slated. Yeah, Adam Armstrong should have done better. But look, at the end of the day, like we've said, he's got to save it, and he did. So fair play to De Gea. And you're right, he started the season quite well. He made a, made a good save or two against Leeds. And the momentum's behind him now. And um, we all obviously, we thought Henderson was going to be number one. COVID came in and, and kind of. Uh, throwing his chances off and he's recovering now and we'll, we'll see him back in the squad soon. But if I was Solskjaer, I'd continue with De Gea the next few weeks. So that was a positive and De Gea is, until he has a reason for Solskjaer to doubt him, he'll continue to play, I reckon. Yeah, yeah I guess. He's, sorry, he's, he, he has. He's, he started the season well, De Gea, and that, that situation isn't getting resolved in this window, mainly because of uh, Henderson's uh, Henderson being laid, laid low by COVID. So as, as you've already said, I think both of you already said it, it's probably just going to be the same situation as we were in this time last year when it comes to the Champions League games and the Carabao Cup games starting. Yeah, but again, that's a situation that Solskjaer himself admitted last season can't go on for that yeah. long. So there has to be a firm solution to it. And, you know, we've hinted this already. We've said this. In terms of the line, like Solskjaer's been backed. He's got Sancho, he's got Varane. But the winning the title, which has to be the aim, it's got to be something that they've got to do this season. It's still a lot of it falls down to Solskjaer. We talk about his substitutions. We talk about his man management. We talk about the way that he sets his teams up. There still seems to be lots of question marks about him only two games into the season. It, you know, the Wolves game at the weekend suddenly quite a, not a big one as such, but United really need to make a response, don't they, Samuel? 
yeah, they, they need to win that. Uh, you look at that Liverpool-Chelsea game, there's a chance that one of those team, two teams will go into the internationals on nine points. So United don't want to be four or five points behind them already because that's that's already quite a big gap um, that we've, we've seen in previous seasons when United have lost a couple of couple of games early on in August, that their title race is pretty much over um, before the September fixtures have even started. Uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see what he does with his team at Wolves because it is going to need freshening up. There are going to need to be a few changes, I think, minimum to that side that drew at Southampton. Wolves have gone to a back three this season, but I don't think they necessarily command the level of respect that they, they commanded when Nuno Spirito Santo was was coached there and, and he was using the back three. Uh, but as, as you said, with, with Solskjaer and th- those doubts that always linger and often resurface with him, they, they did resurface again at Southampton, just going off the mars- the Marshall selection, um, the, the, the midfield selection process as well. Matic and Fred away from home at Southampton is pretty excessive you know it, it's it's amazing how you can just make two it was just two changes i think to to the team overall but they can have such a, a detrimental effect on on the overall state of the side and um, unfortunately for united even though they seemed well poised to get a win in the end um for, for whatever reason it just fizzled out pre- pretty quickly as well i think it was quite obvious long before the full-time whistle that they weren't going to get a breakthrough in that game whereas if you took it back to the 60 minute mark or the 70 minute mark you'd have still expected them to go on and win it so it's, it's the momentum swings in football make it as, as watchable as it is but that they can't always just be looking to a handful of players to, to bail them out every week pop has had a phenomenal start to the season greenwood has Soska said he didn't play particularly well yesterday, which I, I agree with, but he still got into the position to get the goal and he probably could have had another goal as well. Fernandes is still endeavouring to make things happen. But it's that midfield area where it's, it needs to be resolved and we might as well touch upon it now. But if, you, if you're going to spend £40 million on van der Beek and you know that he's not going to be the playmaker or the number 10 because Fernandes is there, you've got to try and get him into the team in, um, in a deeper role whether it's next to Matic or Fred or McTominay. And it must be pretty galling for Van der Beek that he started that game last season at Southampton, yet here we are, however many months on, nine months on, he's not even getting a look in. I think it's been 20 games now that he's started and ended a United match, sat on the bench. And again, it just reaffirms what we said last year, that he was not a first-choice signing. The opportunity to sign him arose because Real Madrid weren't going to get him. He was available for £40 million at the very most, which you accept that. He's, he's clearly a very, very good footballer. Schooled at Ajax, the pedigree is good. But if the manager isn't completely sold on him, which is clearly the case with Solskjaer, because if he was sold on him, he'd have played him a lot more, then it's a problem. And the comparisons with players like Herrera, Mkhitaryan, Fred, who had slow starts and eventually came good to an extent, they're long gone. Mkhitaryan got going before Christmas in his first season. Herrera had a very good second half um, of his first season at United. Even Fred had some stellar moments in his first season, like like PSG away. Van der Beek is yet to have that breakthrough, and I don't think any any of us are expecting him to be starting in the Molyneux on Sunday either. 
Yeah, it's been pretty bleak for Van der Beek. And Stephen, you know, I guess that's what's also so frustrating when you watch it is the fact that we're always saying that, you know, on the horizon, United have a very tough fixture schedule. It's when they get to October, they play all the top six from last season and they'll have two Champions League games thrown in there. And, you know, depending on the draw later this week, that could become a horror run. You know, that could be, you know, season defining. It could be, it could define Solskjaer's legacy at the club. It could define what, what happens next for United. And Van der Beek, you know, he's had chances in, in these opening games because they, they look like the type of game that tailor-made for him to, to be thrown in there as an experiment and what is so frustrating I suppose Stephen is the fact that yesterday okay maybe you don't need to start Van der Beek but bring him on because something has to change and yet, yet again we're talking about Solskjaer's substitutions and for me it just looked like a real missed opportunity. You've hit the nail on the head I mean he had a really he had a reasonable preseason, and I think physically he looked fantastic he's looked the most physically strong he's, he's looked since he arrived I wrote that my piece today and he got a few minutes under his belt and if he was going to experiment and was going to give him a chance now is the time across the first few fixtures totally right and um, obviously Wolves next in Newcastle so maybe he will get a chance but his substitutes at Southampton suggests he won't um, and as I've touched upon, I think it is a big, bit of a kick in the gut for, for Van der Beek watching Lingard come on. He was out in the cold while Van der Beek was out in the Champions League, inspiring Ajax to that fantastic run in, in 2019. And obviously they fell short against Tottenham, but he was one of the star men in that team. And everyone wanted them. He was, he was one of the most hottest prospects in Europe at that point. Obviously United landed them, um, flag, flagship signing of last summer, and it's just not really worked out for whatever reason. And it's, it's quite clear that, yeah, Solskjaer's not sold on them. And I don't know what he can do to get in this team now. Especially as, as I say, Lingard's coming in ahead of him, and where does that leave him? I don't know. Yeah, that, that, I guess that's what's so annoying as well. We've got just over a week left of the transfer window. When you listen to this, it might only be a week left now of the transfer window. And I guess the fact that United are even open to possibly signing another central midfielder as well signifies just how unclear the, the decisions are. And Samuel, with a week or just over a week left of the transfer window, where do United stand? Can you see any other signings? Can you see anything else happening? Because lots of the players we said could be available for sale, those fringe options seem to be back in the squad again. At, at the moment, no. I, I thought two or three weeks ago we were set for a pretty manic end of the window, but it's it started to peter out quite a while ago. They said after United, people at the club said after the Varane deal uh, was, was initially announced that the emphasis would be on outgoings. That has been a very slow process. They've, they've still not sold a single player. Uh, I think this has been the first summer, or it could be the first summer since Moyes' summer, that they've not sold a single um, first-team squad member. I think there was one player sale in Moyes' summer. If if you know it, Rich, then you have my you have even greater respect for me than you already have. But even I, I, I thought, oh Christ, I didn't even remember that. Uh, but it was it was Scott Wooten who obviously played a couple of League Cup games, but. He, he was he was never he was never established first team squad member, but he was the only player sale in 2013. There hasn't been a single player sale uh, this summer yet. I think there have been a lot of if there is to be a transfer with Lingard with Kieran Trippier, it was always going to be in late August, and there's always that that slight chance that some there could be some movement, but. Last week, the word on Trippier was that although it's not off the table, it's pretty much, a, I was told it was a 10 to 15% chance of that happening. So I don't think that will be happening. But United are clearly keeping their options open because there are some players there who have not been definitively told that they are staying. Uh, Lingard and Dallow are two players who, obviously, there's been some uncertainty over their futures, but neither of them, from what I've been told, have been I've had that conversation with Solskjaer where he's uttered the words, you are staying, no matter what. And it's sensible because United do need to keep their options open um, in, in case there is 
a, a good offer that they can't refuse for, for Lingard in case there's an opportunity to get Trippier if, if Atletico decide that they, they do want to get rid of him. But it's looking very unlikely and it, and it is still, frankly, quite surprising that someone is eminently sellable as it seems with Lingard is is still in this position of relative un- uncertainty and I, I I don't think that he'll he'll get a new contract I don't think he should get a new contract so already you may be looking at January but I suppose the only the only thing I'd add a caveat to all of it is that I think there'll be quite a few major departures from United next year um Matter and Cavani will be out of contract. Lingard probably, if he doesn't go this by the well by the deadline next week, I don't imagine he'll be a United player this time next year. Paul Pogba might not be a United player this time next year. So that that's potentially four pretty major player departures already that you can see happening next year um, at, at the very least. And perhaps with that in mind. Solskjaer, the people at the club are thinking, well, if we keep this squad together for this season, we can um, go about refreshing it next season because we'll have the leverage to do it because these players will be off the wage bill. Um, that's that's an obvious way that they might be looking at it. Yeah, like I said, they are always playing in the long term, but it does seem like there's a lot left in limbo at the moment. And United are sort of having to use their plan Bs because there's not a plan A coming in. And Stephen, you mentioned earlier in the podcast that, you know, in your dream situation, you want to see maybe that defensive midfielder arrive who, you know, who who wouldn't only just bring the stability to United midfield, but would bring the best out of the, the centre-backs as well and just give that, that balance to the squad, which does seem to be missing at the moment. It would allow United to indulge in a more attacking formation as well in, in terms of their midfield setup. Um, do you think that it is a case of that, Stephen, that United are maybe just one signing away from being true Premier League challengers still? It certainly feels like it. And I think support as we're all on social media asking for a new defensive midfielder after the Southampton game. And that's what people were asking before the season started. So, But I think it's handling for a man that's supposed to be um, an expert at man management. And I actually admire his man management skills. I think he is a fantastic man manager, Soscar. It's handling of Van der Beek and it's perhaps will send a message to any new potential midfield signings. Because if that can happen to him on Soscar's watch, as it did, why won't that happen again this summer? I think that does cast a few doubts over Paul and the appeal of joining United. Um, if Solskjaer is trying to sell it to someone before the window ends, if we do get a few departures and a deal can be facilitated to bring someone in, I think that's worth noting because it's it's definitely something to consider because as we've touched upon, his handling has not been fantastic. Yeah, of course. And like you touched upon there as well, that you know any new signings would have to be offset by by those player sales, getting players loaned out at least and, and freeing up some wages. Samuel, a week left. I'm sure you'll be delighted when that transfer window finally closes. But, you know... United were active, you know, on deadline days last last year. You know, we saw five signings across the two deadline days, weren't we? So, uh, you know, United, you'd have to say, will be be involved right up in, until the window. Hand on heart, just from your own personal point of view, can you expect to see anyone else joining United before the end of the summer? Uh, pro- probably not. No, I, th- I think something would have to, something significant would have to happen. And, and there's always a chance of, of that being the case because a player might feel the need to try and force something through. But these players that, I mean, the midfielders are the ones who are being linked with United so, so uh, frequently because all of Europe, all of the world knows that United want need a certain profile of midfielder. But in, in a lot of cases, it doesn't actually matter um, that it's a defensive midfielder they need. Like Camavinga is someone that United fans can't stop mentioning. But just if you actually look at where he has played for Ren. He's not defensive midfielder. And do you really want a 18 or 19-year-old from Rennes of Ligue 1 
being parachuted into potential title challenge inside, um, like United, who are probably the most scrutinised club on the planet. He's he's not he's not suitable. And then you have to factor in the fact that he would prefer to play in Spain, and you have to factor in the fact that United have this recruitment criteria that the player has to be completely sold on playing for the club and joining the club. So if if somehow next Wednesday he's a United player, I'll, I'll be surprised by that because United have, have you know have informed us of that of of Camavinga's preference to play in Spain. Ren want the money, they need the money because he's not going to sign a contract. So this is this is not necessarily the last window of opportunity because there'll always be January, but he can agree a pre-contract move there and just just leave for a compensation fee in the summer. Leon Goretzka, how many young, youngish, twenty-something midfielders, German midfielders, leave Bayern Munich? Uh, he's out of contract next year. You've just got to read between the lines. He, he wants a better salary, so his agent would not be doing his job very well if he wasn't linking him with United, which is what he has done. Uh, there was the Monaco player who I'd never heard of last week who somehow got linked with United and they, they have no interest in him. Was it Corentin Tolisso? They've, they've no interest in him. It's it's so easy to do, just do stories on midfielders United don't want to sign. It, it is more difficult to write one that they do want to sign, but that might be because they've decided that they're not going to be signing uh, a midfielder this month. But again, I, I wouldn't be surprised if if something prompts them into action in the final days of the window, it has happened before, and they end up with Odin Nagalo. So anything is anything is possible, really. But um, all the noise is coming out from the club that there there are unlikely to be any more any more incomings, and really they do need to they do need to get one or two players out of the club permanently. But it, at the moment, it'd be looking like a, an achievement if they manage to sell just one player. Yeah, exactly. Watch this space, I suppose. Like I said, we will be up to date on all your latest transfer news on the Manchester Evening News. And we said we'll be back later in the week as well to look ahead to that game against Wolves. And again, any other major transfer updates as well we'll bring you. And I'm sure we'll be everywhere you can imagine next Monday and Tuesday ahead of deadline day. Can't wait for that one, can we? But uh, Samuel, Stephen, thank you very much for joining us today on Manchester's Red Podcast. Thank you, Rich. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening, wherever you might be. As always, please do leave a like and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you again next time.